You are listening to the award-winning The Young Jerks with Mike Crawford. The, the Latino employees that we had, they were in the country on work visas and stuff like that. A lot of them were on the harvest team, uh, that and the outdoor crew. And she's the one that actually blew the lid on it. And, you know, so when she found out, she went to her superiors and she was like, hey, is this true that if people working for Truly, they, they can't renew their green cards, they can't renew their, their work visas? And they were like, yeah. And she goes, well, why, why aren't we telling them this? And they were like, well, it's not important. And she was like, yes, it is. This is this is big because these people will get deported. It's not they might get deported. They will get deported. And they were like, well, we're working on that. <clears throat> and so anyway, they didn't want to tell the employees. They actually told her to be quiet. Welcome. We're live. Mike Crawford, Young Jerks. Got a special episode tonight. Cannabis Roundtable, a bunch of different guests talking about a variety of subjects. Uh, the story that we wanted to kick off tonight on was, of course, True Leaf. Uh, just, I just played an old video like from probably a month or two ago just to kick off the show because it's just an example of different stories that don't get covered uh, by the big media when it comes to True Leaf. Uh, we, you know, obviously one did break through Lorna McMurray, her death that broke through, uh, that got covered nationally, but a lot of the other coverage has not. And, uh, even with the Lorna McMurray thing, there was some censorship that we just found out about, uh, from a reporter who, uh, put it, put it on the, you know, cover of the nation magazine, Dusty Christensen. He also writes for the shoestring. Uh, they do great work. Uh, he put out, uh, an excellent piece and uh, was supposed to do a follow-up interview with a national cannabis radio show or podcast. And they got weird with him. They basically told him that he could tell his story, but he couldn't name any names, couldn't name True Leaf when he was on their show. And he said, absolutely not. And we've got his response back to them. Uh, he wrote uh, back to them, that's not a condition that I can agree to. No self-respecting journalist would consent to uh, censoring their own work you know he told him to go pound sand we we're hoping to get dusty on the phone tonight uh we, we were talking to him we we're definitely going to get him on the phone in the future uh unfortunately he could not make it tonight but uh this is just crap like it's just the kind of stuff that we see we've seen it for years on this show the young jerks so we wanted to discuss that there was a follow-up story that also came out based on this uh, that we wanted to discuss tonight, too. And you can see Dusty's original tweet right there. Uh, I think it's Dusty. What is that? Dusty, uh, at DustyC123 is his Twitter. You can find it there. So we wanted to discuss that tonight, uh, kicking it off on the show. And we've got some great guests to do that. So we're going to do that right now. Uh, let's get to the guests. Let's bring up the guests one by one. Uh, I think, you know, who I'm going to bring up first is... One of the scientists here, I think, I, I don't know, even know if she calls herself a scientist. Let's bring her up. Leslie. I do not call myself a scientist, but hi. Thanks okay. for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Well, how yeah. would you describe yourself? Who, who are you? Um, Tell everyone. I'm an expert in public health and specifically in cannabis. Um, my background is in mental health, public health, and pharmaceuticals before getting into cannabis. And then I opened the first chain of vertically integrated medical cannabis licenses in Phoenix, Arizona, where I'm from, um, before I started Focus. Actually, that's why I started Focus as a cannabis health and safety organization, because three years in the space as an operator showed me that we need help. 
we need standards. We need somebody to prioritize health and safety. So that's what I'm here to do. And uh, you've been on the forefront of that. I mean, that's like something that. Uh, yeah. It's been a long a time. More attention this year, right? I'm super grateful for folks like you and, and the other guests on here today, too. I mean, I've been hammering about health and safety to this industry since 2014. Um, and when I started and I was going to develop standards, people were like, standards? We don't need standards. It's weed. And I was like, yeah, but just like food or something else, we probably need some standards to follow. And what I realized is this industry in the U.S. especially has been developed strictly around third-party testing. And there is obviously lots of problems that have come because of that. And it's not something we see in other industries that are similar, like pharma or food. Most folks do in-house testing, and then there's not such a reliance on a third party that's just a verification or a validation of their in-house results. So um, it's an interesting interesting place for sure. And we're going to talk about the story that we just uh brought up too we'll, we'll bring you in on that but i'm going to I want to bring up some other guests as well yes uh let's bring up liz she was the first here i believe today which i like she was the, like super on time liz what's up i'm so punctual and la has not made me even less so <laughs> <laughs> um hey everyone um so great to be chatting um yeah my name is liz um, I've been out here in LA for nine years. Um, been working in medical cannabis for about eight. Um, as soon as we flipped, I joined MedMen. So, you know, 2018 MSO right to the face. And um, a lot of my former employees work for some of these companies we're going to chat about today. Um, so it's definitely been a whirlwind. Um, ever since MedMen, I've pretty much touched almost every brand in the country with cookies and um, all local California brands. Um, so much so that I said F full-time marketing roles. Um, the pattern is there. Um, I've been consulting now for over a year and it has never been better because I'm one foot in one foot out. I'm not in your Slack channels. <laughs> I don't have to deal with, every single piece of drama that comes with every cannabis company, no matter where you are in this country. Um, and that's, you know, made me where I am right now. And I know a lot of things because I have a lot of friends and people love to just talk to me. So I'm, I'm definitely been over a lot of the, um, companies that we're going to talk about today. So I'm really happy to be here and thanks for the platform. Thank you so much. Well, now we're going to bring up Jeff Rawson. Jeff, what's up? You're, 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 are you a scientist or chemist? What are you? <laughs> My name is Jeff, and I'm a chemist. Um, I'm a chemist. No one's, saying, no one's going with the scientist label. I love to throw it. <laughs> I am a scientist. Okay. I, I do say that, too. But, you know, I think sometimes people appreciate, like, a little more categorizing. So I, I give them that when I can. Yeah. So anyway, I'm I, I, I think I'm here because I founded the Institute of Cannabis Science and my mission is to bring people honest data about weed. And you're like more on a consumer bent, which I like, right? You're like consumer centric. Yeah, yeah. I um I am focused on the consumer experience. And um so I I th this is a funny thing because I I, I, I'm, I'm very much like a passionate chemist. Um, I'm interested in science and I care a lot about public health. 
I didn't plan to get into cannabis really, but um, this is a really good area for a chemist who cares about public health because there's a lot of important stuff to do. But, um, uh, but yeah, I'm focused on consumer experience. And what I've learned is that um, what I'm doing is quality assurance. <laughs> so this is actually like kind of as Leslie said, usually companies that produce perishable goods like food companies actually take an interest themselves in the customer experience. But the cannabis industry is so new and the horizons of many of the operators are so short that when they send a batch out the door, like that is it. They forget about it. They never go and see what it looks like in the store or what the customer is actually getting. So, um, yeah, so it's a big problem and it's, uh, it's not limited to just one participant. It's a problem for government. It's consumer education. It's companies learning to do their job better. It's everybody. So now I'm going to bring up uh, uh, Lauren, and she had a story that uh, we're going to put on the screen, too, if I can figure out how to do that as well. Uh, why don't you give your introduction, and we'll see if we can figure that out, too, Lauren. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Um, my story that I wrote this week definitely touched a chord uh, with many people in the industry um, on, let's just say, both sides of this conversation, both sides being... Um, everyone and then the MSOs and one public relations agency that manages many of those MSOs. Um, and for those who are watching who don't know what MSOs are, that's multi-state um, operators. So um, my background is in um, corporate public relations. I spent 20 years in New York City working at an agency called Ketchum, which is one of the big five public relations agencies and representing some of um, the biggest companies like Pfizer, PepsiCo, um, Splenda, Weight Watchers, and helping them position themselves as wellness brands and wellness products. And I came to the cannabis industry for so many reasons, um, but one of them being that I realized that cannabis was a wellness supplement and no one was talking about it like that. So I feel very protective of the plant and of the people who are learning to consume the plant, especially people like me who just started, you know, might be just starting out learning how to use the plant and to incorporate it into their lives. And so I started being really upset about how um, players like Green Thumb Industries and True Leave were treating their employees. And if they're true, my theory is if they're treating their employees like that, then they must not care about their patients and their customers. And, you know, with just a little bit of digging and my knowledge of the fact that a public relations agency, especially when there are no other marketing agencies in the mix, has a lot of power, uh, media buying power, clout, uh, say so, money, and um, it's, it's, because we're upset with four different companies and how they're acting that we're going to talk about today. And many of all of them sit under one public relations agency. And that's what my article is about, about how that, that concerns me. And I think it's could be creating a monopolistic mindset, if not worse. Awesome. And uh, the title of that story is why cannabis PR should scare you. And it's on LinkedIn, uh, Lauren Mandel. Is that, did I say the name right, Lauren? Yeah, perfect. 
people should definitely check that out. It's on the screen right now. One of the issues, obviously, is, you know, anytime these big companies get together is collusion, which you spelled out, uh, which we're going to talk about. But before we get there, let's talk about this cannabis meteor censoring Dusty specifically. We know that Dusty put out this story. It was in the Nation magazine on the cover mm-hmm. about True Leaf, about Lorna McMurray. Uh, it, you know, uncovered a lot of great information, including how much Kim Rivers made uh, just a couple of years ago. It was like $7 million in one year. She's making millions of dollars while they're laying people off and treating them like crap and uh, not offering, you know, PPP uh, protection for folks like Lorna who, uh, you know, un- tragically passed away. And this story comes out and he's doing a follow-up and, and they're not letting him talk about True Leaf in the radio interview that he was offered. And, and they basically, you know, told him he couldn't do the interview unless he agreed to their terms. Are you, is anyone surprised by this? No. no. <laughs> I mean, I was surprised, but not shocked. Like it's just, it never ceases to amaze, right? Like all the things that are going on in this space, but, but yeah, not, it's typical. Yeah. As well. I was, it was the thing that made me write this story. So I have, this story has been percolating in me. Liz knows and many other people who I've sort of kind of vetted out to see if maybe there's other people who feel that there's something sketchy going on. And they know I've been, you know, maybe for about six months been thinking about this as a problem that all of these big companies are represented by one very powerful media house in cannabis. And, um, and my, and so this, this dusty, the dusty story was really the one that was like, oh my God, so it is happening. It's not just this thing that's bothering me in my gut that I just think about. And since then, so many people have come out of the woodwork, whether it be in the comments or especially in the DMs to be like, keep digging. It's a lot worse than you think. It's it's funny because I felt like that for so long. We were covering these worker stories and, and nobody in the Boston media would touch it. And like me, you know, I've been around for years working with the Boston media, like getting, cause you know, when we did decrim medical legal, all the freedom rallies that we did, like I was always one of the main press people. So I knew these people, they know me. They used to quote me all the time. And as soon as like we flipped the script and we're reporting bad info about the big corporation, no one wants to talk to us anymore. No one wants to cover our stories anymore. When they would cover anything, any type of protest we did, it got covered in the past and now nothing gets covered until Lorna McMurray. I mean, that, that was like when things flipped, but even within our local Boston media, they still weren't covering it. Well, they it came very months, late so. to the game. They came very, it was national media was covering it before yeah. our local. I mean, is, have you seen things like that? Do you like, well, how, well, how does that happen? I don't I even understand how it happens. Cause I'm not in those <laughs> newsrooms. Do you well, have- I, think, I think a lot of reporters smoke weed. And so, <laughs> so, I mean, it's um, of course, it's extremely predatory, right? You know, Lauren and I, I was telling her today, we're in California and Colorado, you know, we're in mature markets, you know, mature markets are defined like Oregon, California, Colorado, ones that had medical programs. So, Cure Leaf, GTI, maybe has like two stores in California, Truly, Ascend, they're 
taking over the East Coast and the Midwest. And it's extremely predatory in my mind because you're beyond like, you know, the license social equity, you're just taking all of the real estate. And with that comes all of the hidden information that frankly, we don't have that kind of shadiness. We have our own things. So to see all that happening on the East Coast and seeing the suppression, um, it's extremely disheartening. And that's all you can see it as. I'm like, you all don't even have a chance. I mean, a new market opens, GTI's in there, ready to gobble them all up. Um, Ascend is Massachusetts, right? So, you know, they got that. <laughs> True Leaves got Florida. GTI has Illinois and all those like other um, New England states. So they're just like, you know, gobbling them up and they all have the same PR company. And, you know, there's like maybe like the six, the big six on that side that like, I don't like, we're not even in the same industry and I can't even say, well, you know, maybe they have quality product. Like it's just two different industries as I see. And I just see it just being gobbled up every moment and suppression of news is a surefire way to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. And I would also add to that, that, you know, in a state, for example, where, you know, GTI owns everything, like, right, or any state, these, these five to seven companies own the entire supply chain. Yeah. So the biggest issue here is that if you say something or have an opinion about somebody at one of those big companies and you don't feel good about working with them for some reason, you're really beholden to working with them if you want an at scale type of order, right? So especially if you make like an ancillary product, for example. So you're not going to be pissing off the top brass at the big companies because you don't want to be on their blacklist. And that's why you will see so many people coming into my DMs and Liz's DMs telling us they agree with everything what we're saying, but they can't come out and like our content because it puts them in a weird position because they're reliant on either Matteo or any of these um, uh, dispensary holding companies for their bread and butter, or they can't, you know, feed their families or pay, make their make their salary, you know. So it's it's really a tough situation because there's only really a few people like me and Liz and those of us who are independent that really can say this is crazy because these guys are very, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause I, I didn't think of it like that, that the information flow too. Cause I mean, we see that with employees. We talk to so many employees that I talk to, they'll want to, you know, talk about their old employer. They're at a new place or they're looking to be at a new place and it just doesn't work for them to be public about any of it. And a lot of times they're, they're hiding. They don't want to even share what they know. They'll send a message and then they undescend it. And they'll be like, yeah. come on, I know you just sent me something. Come on, what's going on here? And they're afraid. They're afraid. And there's right a good reason because so. yeah. they want to be employed. And there's not any job opportunity there to go beyond these large companies. Like if you say one bad thing about one of the big companies, they're not going to hire you for that next job. So I, it's interesting that the media would actually be 
caught up in that kind of same echo chamber too, which is. But we, I think well, we have heard stories like this in yeah. other industries or other sure. kinds of media sometimes where, um, yeah, reporters also, um, they want to keep their access. And, yes. <clears throat> you know, if there's only a few big companies um, in their state um, and they publish some really, you know, negative article about one of those companies, then they may never get an interview with anyone from that company again. They might really, you know, that could actually really hinder their ability to keep reporting. And it's a lot worse than that because it's actually not just the interview, it's the advertising dollars. And that's the mm -hmm. only way that they're going to be able to stay afloat is if, right, yeah. is if they actually do get advertising dollars from the, you know, local um, businesses. So that's what all these, you know, cannabis media that there's way too many of are all banking on, uh, you know, trying to squeeze money out of companies. Right. But ultimately, we know there's not that we know that there's fewer and fewer that actually have any money all the time. Right. And so that's, that's why nobody. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so that's the thing. Right. So California, we're struggling hard. I'm like, how are these companies making money? How is GTI making so much money? And then you realize Ben Clover is the heir to Jim Beam. Like that's, that's how GTI has money. How does True Leaf have money? Because it's Florida. They own most of the market. They don't pay taxes. So it's like, I, that, that recruiter on LinkedIn, you know, she's like, now more than ever recruiting cannabis i'm like you do realize it's probably one of the hardest industries to make money in just based on operating costs how does gti have money alcohol and we're okay with the largest cannabis company being funneled with alcohol like i'm well, sure and why does ttb keep coming up in yeah. how to regulate cannabis because that's the voice that gets the media right it's certainly yeah. not the best pathway for this industry as a whole or even for public health but that's what we keep coming up with because those are the dollars that are getting to congress that are getting in front of media that are out there and it's I, I, sorry to interrupt you i just but this is this is really for me on a public health basis mm -hmm. like the problem because there i mean media plays such an important role in flame in in framing public health issues you know they they are they are part of shaping public perception. And in a new industry like cannabis, where the majority of folks haven't tried cannabis, right? I mean, that seems odd to folks like us in the industry because everyone we know has tried cannabis. But it's, I mean, you look at statistics that most people in the world don't consume cannabis. Or, and so we have to think about what those messages are going out. The, the issue with the death in the facility in Massachusetts, for me, that's, it's, especially concerning that media didn't cover that because not only does it put continue to let the employees at that facility be at risk, but it doesn't give the public information about this industry. Why would I let my kid go work in a cannabis facility where they have a potential of dying? But if I don't know that, I can't make that decision, right? And I think it goes all the way down to consumer protections. I, I appreciated what you said earlier about if they're not caring about their employees, they probably aren't caring about these customers either. Because the reality is, if you're prioritizing public health, it's it's a blanket prioritization, right? It can't be I, I prioritize their health and not their health. Um, it's about doing things the right way. And I, I, this is where it's real scary to me because we're in a new industry and this is formative time. And it we need to have the right voices out there. And it has to be about the greater good and not about corporate interest. 
thank you leslie that, that that is spot on too it's like uh and and exactly what uh lorna's mom said when she came on when she came on the show she's like i didn't know if i had known you know she said it over and over again i had no i didn't know that this was a risk that my child wouldn't come home from work i didn't yeah. know like you know and they didn't tell me and they didn't you know they didn't protect her like they, she said it over and she said it everywhere she goes like it just i hear it in my sleep now it just I had a girl that went to high school with me that I don't even, I mean, I, we were acquaintances and whatever, but hadn't talked to her in 20 years. And she reached out to me on Facebook because her 21 year old son was super excited about his job in cannabis and he's working in an extraction facility. And she's like, it doesn't seem safe to me. They don't listen to him when he has safety concerns. And it's like, yeah, I mean, we need to know this stuff. I mean, the reality is we need to clean up the operations so that we are protecting these folks too. But but the other part of that is we're not going to clean it up if we can't know about it and talk about it. Mm -hmm. Like wasn't in that report, like Cure Leaf got fined for blocking an exit in New York. Right. You know, like this is a very, very new market. There aren't as many eyes on the manufacturing like we think. So um, there are lots and lots of ways that people are skirting the rules. Like I'm very that's, that's an enforcement issue too, right? I mean, all these states were so excited about their tax money that they write all these regulations, but then never thought about, oh my gosh, I might have to enforce them. And what does that look like? Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, there's problems across the board, but again, I think that gets back to the media issue. How do we know what the problems are? How do we have conversations to solve them if we can't hear about them? Absolutely. Um, speaking of uh like there, there's so many other issues right now in cannabis <laughs> like in terms of it's hard to know where to go honestly yeah. so what i want to do right now since i have you know all four of you here what do you think that we should be talking about tonight on the show let's start with uh jeff oh boy <laughs> what do i think well um you know um I, th I think there's a lot of attention right now um here in massachusetts uh to um senator moore's bill um, uh, but I, I think I, I, I would like to plug, um, the open data, <clears throat> uh, proposal, the, there, there's another, there's another bill that's been filed by Dan Donahue, um, that opens up data and it would, this, this bill, if, if, if signed into law, um, would compel the CCC to publish monthly testing data. Um, aggregated testing data. And that would be a great benefit to consumers because you could do things like go to the CCC website and find out which labs have never succeeded at finding mold in weed. And then you can make the choice not to buy weed tested by those labs. So um, I, I think that this is really important. I I believe that, um, I mean, you know, maybe, maybe I'm going too far to connect this, but, um, you know, you've talked about information and, um, you know, public relations and bottlenecks in sharing information to the public, right? Um, another part of public health in cannabis is making sure that consumers are informed. So um, that's, that's, that's something I really want attention to. I think everyone, we should all be able to have the COA from cannabis that we buy and um, and we should be able to have access to at least some of the data from testing that would allow us to determine how well the testing is done. 
I think chromatograms on the certificate of analysis would go a huge long way towards that. People understand pictures much more than data, especially if it's scientific data. And I think the labs that actually put the chromatogram on there, I mean, I'm not a scientist and for me, that's very much easier to understand than all the limits. What is uh, that? Well, because I don't even know what you're talking so about. It's just the visual representation of the peaks that they're seeing during testing. Jeff can answer that better than I can. I'm giving you the the layman's terms. But um, I, Chris Hudala from Proverty Labs is a, a dear friend and close colleague. And we work together a lot on the synthetic issues. And his chromatograms always are on there. And it it is amazing what a difference it makes to understanding what you're overall looking at. Like, to me, that's clarity. Yeah, he yeah, calls I, in sometimes I agree too. That, I, I agree that it's nice to show people where things come from, and it's uh, and and it and and it's a fundamental principle, you know. Although many consumers may never look at the COA, it's right. a fundamental principle that this information should always be available. Exactly. Absolutely. If they want it, it needs to be there. They don't have to access it. Mm -hmm. Speaking of open information, I want to ask you, Jeff, about this and, and Leslie, irradiation and remediation, like. Right now in Massachusetts, there's no transparency on that. We have no idea who does what to, you know what I mean? Like what the practices are. Do you think that's going to change? Let me ask you that, Jeff. And then what should be done on it? Well, I hope it will change. Um, and it, I, I, th I think that th this is a tricky issue. Um, you know, the public has a hard time understanding radiation. So, um I believe that um, I believe that if a whole lot of some undesirable microorganism or fungus grows in your cannabis, um, and so it fails a microbial test, then it's a little bit like spoiled produce. Okay, and um, so taking that spoiled, you know, that cannabis that's all fungused up, right, and then shooting a bunch of radiation at it, it will kill all the fungus, but all the crap that the fungus put there is still present. And it's still basically spoiled produce. Um, so safer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm not sure. I'm, I think so. I think that they're, they're definitely, I, I think maybe we're making a mistake letting people um, take failed flour and kill the organisms and then still market it as flour. Um, I, I think that kind of remediation is undesirable. But, um, you know, some people, some people make pretty um, convincing arguments that it would be a good idea to involve some sort of a kill step in cannabis production, even if your cannabis isn't like badly contaminated, just because right. this is what we do with lots of food products and it increases their shelf life. And Food irradiation is a massive public health success. I mean, it is just dynamite. It's true. Like, it is a massive public health success, but the public is still not always comfortable with or knowing. aware. Yeah, or with thinking about the fact that they're, you know, that by irradiating your milk, um, someone has made, has, has quadrupled its shelf life, you know? Um, so, so that's really you, tough. I, I think people have a right to know, but... Um, it's tricky to fit, you know, but I'm a little nervous about how they're going to react, you know? Yeah. And, but, you know, I think you nailed it with the greater issue is that some people are using a radiation to just get rid of the mold instead of actually getting rid of the mold in their facility. Mm -hmm. They're like trying to 
Like That's this the is problem. their de facto system that they have set up. They, they just let the mold go, you know, poverty and mildew, whatever it is, they go for years, they never fix it and they just irradiate everything, which isn't the way it should be done. Like I, I could see irradiation, like you said, some uses for it, but it shouldn't be. How do we stop that? How do we stop them from selling the moldy product that they irradiated? So, you know, what's interesting, we've had three different states reach out to focus to ask us to train them or develop training for them on remediation and irradiation. And so I bring that up because clearly there are people now questioning the, the safety or, or, you know, the viability of doing this. Um, I'm like, I don't, I'm not an expert. And so I don't want to get into the details of it, but I agree that it can't be just a kill step before everything. If you're just making hash products and you want to go through the irradiation, go for it. Like if you're going to irradiate moldy flour and get it out and then process it, that's probably okay too, with some certain parameters around it. But I agree with Jeff, this idea that we can sell flour like this, that's not the flower that people that know cannabis are used to. And I don't, I, I don't know that there's any data on this, but I question, you know, we keep learning how important terpenes and other aspects of the plant are to the cannabis effects. And it, I can't help but wonder what goes away with that, right? I mean, what are we, what are we taking away? We know we're damaging trichomes and things like that, but, but how are we changing the way cannabis impacts people when they use it? that's irradiated like that um it's you know there's there's just bigger questions but i i feel like it's laziness on the part of the industry for the most part like fix your practices use it as needed and everybody would be good the problem is that everybody is you know these big companies are just using it as a kill step for every batch or harvest. Well, and i think you asked you know how do we stop this and i think that if we go just a little bit sort of zoom further out into the business world, the answer is competition. And yes. the problem that we're all talking about is that there's no competition for dollars, for media, for real estate, for all the things that really create a healthy competitive industry. And that's where, you know, price works well and everything works well. I mean, we're built to, that's how this society is built to, to thrive. And if we have yes. a monopoly at the top, we're in a situation where, where it doesn't matter how things test out because they own the lab or they own this or whatever they're, you know, it's, it's just, it's all kind of, let's just fudge it. And so at the end of the day, who's suffering? Yeah. But a big challenge with that is also the transparency, right? That like exactly. if, the, if the customers knew uh, right. If it if they, if they knew that a batch of cannabis failed a test for mold, and then was irradiated, and well, then was sort it. of like you know repassed, somehow got back into the system, right? Um, but, they might buy a different product, right? Do you think that they should have to put like a black box on that or something, or or what's your what's your suggestion for how they would potentially some kind of alert, right? I mean, they have to, it doesn't need to be a black box per se, but something to say this has been treated with this or this way. I mean, I bring it back and we have to tell them everything else that's in there. Why wouldn't that be mandated on the label like everything else? It makes no sense unless you're trying to protect the practice. 
Yeah. Well, I don't know. It all comes down to transparency ultimately. If we, for example, if we knew how many dollars media agencies are paying media companies, like let's just say, for example, a media outlet in the cannabis industry is taking advertising dollars from big companies. Well, of course they have to, they should, that's how else are they going to make money, but they should be open about that and figure out either how to keep it clean or be honest that it can't always be clean, but they're doing the best they can on certain things. But like, we're, you know, we're in a place right now where there's no transparency. Everything is sort of like, you do this and I'll do that and I'll trade you this for that. You know, and I've been saying for a few years, we're in the uh, boardwalk empire state, you know, stages of, of, um, (laughs) sure. It seems like it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Seriously. And something's got to give here. Don't, don't you think like things are going to change in the next year or two? Like, I, I feel like we're on the verge of like big change. Do you feel like that, Lauren? I do, but I want to know what Liz thinks. So Liz. I think we're on the verge of a really big change for all like, okay. So we are, we're talking about Matteo, right? Matteo is very expensive. So you have like your top five MSOs they're the only ones that can afford them. So I think, you know, people are really tight with budgets. So there's a change where other ethical PR companies can come up and offer, you know, their services and news organizations can come up and, you know, really just be equally as ethical. Um, I think that's like a reckoning that I'm hearing, you know, based on people who, again, have been coming to me being like, what are some PR options? And I'm like, oh, well, (laughs) there's actually a lot of really good firms out there that are ethical. And I'll just keep saying ethical because it's unethical. Um, So it's not used enough in this industry. (laughs) It's not. (laughs) Um, Because I mean, that's, and that's why I made it so interesting. You know, um, 2018, when California flipped, you know, you had a lot of these companies now, you know, immediately acting like other corporations. They had to be on Fox. They had to be on CNN. They had to have, you know, their investor calls. And cannabis is still so new. Mm -hmm. And the stocks aren't even worth pushing that ticker every second Mm -hmm. until we're actually a legit federally recognized industry. So you have these crazy companies posturing like they're on the same level as Coca-Cola trying to get these Forbes recognitions when it's just so blind, like it's just so one-sided. I hate that every single state is siloed. California is nothing like Colorado. California is nothing like New Jersey. Until we kind of get that whole uniformity so we're one sole industry, and believe me, it's gonna be years and years and years, I think that things can start to level out, but you are going to see the top, um, and we keep saying five, but you know, like the bigger um, East Coast, Midwest MSOs kind of just, you know, do their own weird thing while California is over here operating, Nevada is operating. So I would just love to see more better media companies coming through, um, especially since with the internet more people are talking we are able to discuss the true leave deaths um more than ever 
So that's where I would really love the reckoning. Um, I think there are a lot of great PR companies out there that really can step up and, you know, not charge 50,000 a month for <laughs> broken like promises. And really maybe we can kind of get back to that because I think our industry deserves it. Do you think, are there any good media companies you would want to name right now or even PR companies? Um, I really like Autumn. I like Autumn brands. Um, I have, you know, kind of like, you know, what Lauren's been doing. Um, this is the dawn of the freelance. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, so. That's how, that, the freelancers broke the true leaf. Uh, yeah. Lauren McMurray, like Rusty, uh, Dusty. I said, Rusty, Dusty <laughs> was the first one. Like and there are a few of them, like Dave, there's a few guys, Alex, like mm -hmm. most of these folks are all freelancers and sometimes they write for larger outlets, but like, that's who broke the true leaf story. It wasn't the staff writer at the Boston globe. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you, you think know? that is? I, it, I, I find it so interesting. You know, I, I'm living here in Massachusetts and I feel like, um, <clears throat> I don't feel like any important cannabis news has been published in the globe in years. Since so probably that spotlight series on Tito Jackson. That's what yeah. it feels like. Yeah. I like, think that's I, true across the country. I don't, I think we see what they want us to see, but we're not hearing news about the industry, right? We're hearing news about MSOs mm -hmm. and only selective news. True. Yeah, I, I feel like somehow the mainstream media hasn't figured out how to even what they're supposed to cover about this industry yet. Or the, <laughs> the New York Times still calls it pot. <laughs> right, right. Every single New York Times headline is pot. <laughs> um, I still like to say to smoke me, pot sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> if we're talking about all this and like how to solve it, it seems like clearly there's the five of us here. I know I've got a network of folks that are committed to public health and safety in this space, just that I've built over the years. You all have to have the same people that think like you, that you can, you know, commiserate with and collaborate with and all the things. Um, so to me, like this is the way we solve this is by doing what we're doing and getting it bigger and bigger. Exactly. And I don't mean necessarily a, a webinar or a podcast or whatever, but there are people that care. And I feel like in my experience, personally, at least in the last two years, as things have gotten harder and harder and coming out of COVID, that those voices are multiplying rapidly. Mm -hmm. And so I think the best thing we could do is figure out how do we bring all those voices together? Because individually, we may not have a voice that gets media attention, but collectively, if we're all trying to talk about this and we're trying to promote the right things, I feel like we could get there. I, I, I don't have a, a path or a solution that I you know came with, but but I like big systemic solutions. I like, uh, I like standards. You know, it's, I like yeah, things funny. out I, like that. I, I'm glad I you brought Yeah. Because Leslie, like, we, I feel like in Massachusetts, we're making progress. Like there's Mascosh, there's, there's the unions, there's like a lot happening. The unions I think can be the, helpful in this. Yeah. But I think the hardest problem, the biggest problem we're still facing, like we have these great organizing me, we have like major people like involved now, like AFL, CIO, like, you know, mm -hmm. jobs for jobs, like all these groups, but it's still reaching the workers. Hmm. It's like, they're coming to me and I'm like, my show doesn't have enough reach still. Like it's just... We get some workers and mostly people talk to us on the way out. Like that's, that's a reality of it. Most people have talked to us when they've left the job. So there's nothing they can do at that point. Like in terms of like 
fixing the problem right now. Like we're like, I, I want to make an announcement. Like this is just an example There's something going on. Uh, there's going to be a free food truck for cannabis workers on Friday, this Friday, May 26, 12 to 3 PM outside of true leaf Holyoke where Lorna McMurray passed away Four Valley mill road, Holyoke. If you're a true leaf worker, go over there and get a free lunch on uh Friday. Who's or any other worker at any other cannabis facility. Aren't there a lot in Holyoke? Yes, there are. Any, any, yeah, yeah that's a good point too. Any cannabis worker is Who's welcome to free food that? that day. Mike, what is it? Who's sponsoring that? Um, I think it's UFCW actually. Okay. I, I actually do know that. I just, you know, I think really I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but <laughs> I think really is probably listening. Who cares? Yeah. It's good for the employees. The employees are what make these businesses run. And what these companies don't realize is that sooner or later, they're going to run out of people to treat poorly. And they're not going to have people to run this, right? I mean, it's costing them a fortune. So part of the reason these companies aren't successful is due to all the turnover, right? I mean, that is a huge cost in any business. So, But nobody's doing cost-based accounting in cannabis yet. So nobody's actually counting the dollars that are going into this circular employment cycles. Um, these things have to come. And part of it is maturity and in industry. But it has to be about the people. Cannabis was always about the people. I think that's what is a really good example is kind of like the GTI strikes, right? Like we all heard about it when they were ending. We, yep. didn't, we didn't hear about Ben calling the cops. We didn't hear about, you know, them putting up barricades. That, you know, was some good, like on the ground level reporting that, you know, should have at least been happening. Um, and then, of course, they spin it being like 50% raise with the fine line being that they weren't even being paid minimum wage to begin with. <laughs> Never so, comes that yeah. out, though. You don't yeah. hear that so, part. It's historic. 50% raise. But like that's that's PR. And I think mm -hmm. that, you know, is what Lauren has to say about it being dangerous, like why you should care because you're definitely being fed a spun up version that you just do not deserve. Hmm. So it was kind of, you know, like we shouldn't have heard about it two weeks to the day. We should have, you know, heard about it when it was happening. So, so Liz, do you think like, <clears throat> I, I'm not a media expert, but is it like there's the agencies and there's PR and PR is designed to promote the company and help the company. And, and I get that. And I've used a PR firm when we had, when I had a dispensary and stuff too, and I've used one with focus occasionally. Um, I don't think it's all bad. I, I feel like it's like, where's the reporting versus the PR? And we don't seem to have a reporting arm in cannabis. We only have a media arm, right? No, that's true. There's very, there's a lot, there's very little critical thinking and there's a lot of just recycling of press releases. That's right? exactly. And then you, you know, Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg's open a dispensary. He'll be there Tuesday. Like that's. Yeah. And then, yeah. Right. Even the Boston Globe, we talked about the Boston Globe. Who do they like when they actually had a full-time beat reporter, what department was it under? It was the business reporter. It's just like, you know, and he comes like, I don't know. It just seems like, and he's the same guy that did like the craft beer. It's like that kind of bro feeling. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I, I don't know. Not, it's, not, yeah. It's yeah, a, it's a leisure reporting. Yeah. 
I think what me and Lauren are finding out that it's a lot of collusion, <laughs> you know, uh, people who run media sites, you know, like Green Market Report um, have family members that work with Matteo. So I think it's a lot of weird things like that, that we're all unearthing. Um, and look, you know, my degree's in PR. I never pursued it. I think finding out just, you know, how corrupt this has gotten is why I'm just like pretty fed up because there are really, really, really great PR companies. PR, you know, definitely to Leslie point, like you need it. I love like you need PR. I love PR. I don't like how in, how small this industry is and finding out just really like unethical things, unethical relationships. <laughs> yeah. Like it's uh it's getting kind of bad. It's actually yeah, kind of it's a, Yeah, it's a small industry and 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 it has a significant celebrity culture. Mhm. Mm yeah, really I mean things around. Like, look, Ben needs a Me Too reckoning. I've heard some really awful things about Ben and women. And, you know, like, that's the thing. Like, that's that's become my kind of um, drive for the last, you know, almost year. Um, just, you know, trying to say it as loud as possible because it's just really, it's just, it's gross. So I just wanted to go back to something that Leslie said, um, just to kind of, like, the media, if somebody who represented the media was here on this panel, um, the mainstream cannabis media, the cannabis trade media, whatever, they would say it's extremely underfunded. They don't, there are no reporters, you know what I mean? There's the reason why it doesn't get covered is because there's nobody on the ground who there's no bandwidth within media outlets to cover that kind of news, you know, and lucky for the PR agencies because you're right. And let's just be real. Like PR agency's job is not to go out and tell bad news about their client. Their job is to keep that quiet. But my point is that if Truly was with one agency and GTI was with another, let's just say that they would have a little bit more incentive to not like to suss each other's news out a little bit more because to point a little finger away from them. Right. But instead it's, they're all together in this MSO gang, self self-proclaimed MSO gang. Yeah. Hashtag MSO gang. And you know, they're literally conquering the East Coast and Midwest of this country, one retail operation by retail and license by license, you know, and I love that. They know. they literally call themselves hashtag MSO gang. It's so I true. didn't know that was that. Was yeah. Rosie um, has a shirt yeah, that says yeah. like, you know, pay me later or some weird thing, you know. <laughs> Like, <laughs> she... I want to post some comments right now. We got a bunch of comments that come in. Um, one okay. uh, spot on Liz was from Ariana Newton on LinkedIn. Oh, hey, Ariana. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean, look, you want to talk about direct action? You know, my friend at a very, very, very large accessory company texted me today, send me Lauren's article. I'm giving it to my director of marketing. We're vetting PR agencies. Like that's, that's a direct action. Now they know, like, you know, definitely Leslie, what you said, like, we're only, we're only as loud as like we can be in our network. And the more we talk, the more DMS we get like cloud cannabis. I hear they're, shady stuff too like oof. 
I don't even know what cloud cannabis is, but someone's DMing me being like, you have to know. <laughs> so, Well, and maybe there's maybe not that a hashtag would would solve it, but maybe there's a hashtag needed for the opposite of and maybe it's not opposite of MSO gang, because I don't believe that just because you have have operations in multiple states, you're a shitty player. Excuse my language. But yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's a term, but they coined that MSO gang. And maybe there's something that we need to come up with as a group to sit, to help the industry and say, tag this, let's talk about it here. Let's do this. Because if we don't, who's going to? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Craft cannabis cultivators have tried to get organized, but um, it's very, I, I think it's really hard for them to come to agreements of what, what count, you know, determining the threshold of square footage or production that that makes you craft versus big you know that's but what if it's just about the greater good and it's not about size or mm. position in the industry or the role in the company it's about people that want to see cannabis built the right way built differently than the existing problems that we have in every other industry and and really continue the legacy of cannabis even through the legal market. To me, that's that's the group we need. I don't really care what your role is in this space as long as that's your vision and what you want to see happen, you know? Right, like you yeah. can't, we can't have the heir to Jim Beam, uh, you know, empire, and as well as uh, Kim Rivers in Florida with her husband, you know, being indicted for basically for them set, you know, collusion on um, getting licenses, but she's still the CEO of the company. At Cureleaf, we have a Russian oligarch sitting um, on the board and a funding. So like we have these people that don't give a shit about ethics, obviously, like sort of ruling the ethics of the East Coast. And like Simon Sinek has this term called ethical fading. Mm -hmm. And basically it's like, within an organization if let's just say this is the entire organization of the mso world that mso gang right world let's say it's like doing this isn't that bad well then doing that isn't that bad well then you know being disgusting to women isn't that bad okay well you know like all these things just start to like become commonplace among like lobbying against social equity is not that bad you know like and they're all doing it to get so that's like their peers are all doing it together so they've made it okay yeah and we have to make it not okay and i think that's like what we need to do is have the guts to when we see like liz is the bravest of all and when we see the stuff that is gross because we know it's just bullshit that is being paid for or whatever we have to go on there and we have to call it out right there. Right. Like, we have to say, okay, other people might not see this, but what I see is this because I have more experience, you know? For what sure. Because I wouldn't have noticed this whole media thing unless it was called out. Like, that's not something that my attention is drawn to. I'm, yeah. I'm looking at day-to-day -day public health issues, but it's, this is a public health issue. And so I learned about it because of you all talking about it. And that's mm -hmm. to me, that's that's the most effective way to to create change that there is, is just we need more people talking about it. And the, the more we talk, the more other people talk, 
the bigger the conversation gets. One right. of our co comments here that just came in, uh, it, it's funny because then you know, and when you say East Coast too, I think you're like 100% right, except for one state, Maine. And Agreed. it's like, Doing their Maine, own Maine is amazing. Yeah. The Maine medical Maine. program. And Say it's because that. of their community. And, and the comment that just came in on LinkedIn was uh, community is everything in this space. If it is be truly successful. And I think that's the same yeah. thing on the, like the West coast, like they have more of a community going on. Like they've ruined it in a lot mm -hmm. of the East coast States. It seems like. Well, they, they, they have, they have their own problems on the West coast too, but that's, absolutely. It's not immune, the, but that's the thing. You know, that's why I did say with Lauren, like where we have our own issues in our mature markets, but we don't have influence. Like Cureleaf is out of California. You know, mm -hmm. they fired everyone. They got rid of select like bad we business. Have, GTI. We have none of that. We have some truly yeah. owned brands here. Like, you know, that truly purchased and they're still sold here, like Colors and mm -hmm. um, Evo Lab and a few others. But we, and so like you can buy those at, you know, a, a, like a dispensary that is kind of more corporate owned. Is, yeah. We, but we don't have any of the MSO gang here in Colorado. And I think it really makes for a much healthier um, competitive industry for pricing, for products, for for everything so in missouri yeah. i'm i'm very intimately familiar with missouri right now because they just called out focus in the law and they're they're requiring businesses to build a quality management system which in my opinion would change everything if the industry was based on quality management systems instead of just onerous regulations but in so when so there's 396 seven something like that licenses individual licenses in Missouri. When we did a run through and, and crunched the data, there's 120 companies. Hmm. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why, you know, it's, it's really hard, you know, like Florida, Florida, like any, any vertical medical program is SOL when they yes. try to flip because, you know, like no one, there's no brands that have been building. So, you know, you did take Colorado, Oregon, California, you had those horizontal, it definitely helps with the flip, but with true leave and all those companies, like if they do flip, they're already going to own everything again. So it's going to be even that much harder for everyone new to come through and buy licenses. So, you know, it's like, even if you aren't rec, it's still such like a very um, predatory medical market to have well, to like New York, New York changed the regulations to try to mitigate that, but it sounds like they're making their way to getting approval yeah. beforehand because, and I'm sure they're arguing that, you know, it's been legal for this many months already in New York and there's no, there's no access to rec for anybody except for an XYZ places that are very like, you know, that's it. New York city, maybe Rochester's there's like 10 dispensaries open in the whole state right now. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. So yeah, I yeah. think, I don't know. So then they're going to push in on that and, and then there goes the whole ingenious plan to keep them out for a year. Yeah. New York, that like that backfired hard on New York. They were trying to be like no MSOs for three years, but let's let all the new co like corruption come in, right? I think yeah. like one of the new dispensary owner, like one of the new dispensaries that just opened, had his brand first on the shelf, right? Like 
<laughs> yeah, and I, I get a little uncomfortable sometimes with drawing. I mean, uh, I, although I do recognize, right, the, the, as you pointed out, there's this smaller club of M MSOs that are really much different scale than the rest of the industry. But, um, yeah. you know, <clears throat> like they, they're definitely not the sources of all the problems. Um, oh. And, uh, you know, I mean, you know, the, 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 I think that the, 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 the accuracy of labels is actually probably worse on the West coast than on the East coast from, from what I've seen so far. Um, that's true. And like, I guess, you know, well, the thing with Cal, like if we're taking California, for instance, right, California's main issue is taxes to operate, right? You know, no one can keep a job. It take, you know, you can make 6 million a month, you're not profiting. So California is dealing with that. And we have, we have like, you know, chains of retailers. Um, and that's always going to be fine. You know, I think, I think the issue with MSO is um, it's definitely a broad term because um, pretty much every brand in the country is an MSO, right? Kiva, Kiva is an MSO. They are in multiple states. Kiva isn't bad. So it just becomes that miraculously these five major MSOs, you know, ascend. Didn't the CEO have that drunk huge fight, right? Like, and so it just so happens <laughs> that <laughs> these main companies are having more problems than either and california can't really have that right now you know like our men men days are done you know all the shady people we're yeah. not seeing it as often because we're just trying to survive it you know it was shady for maybe the first two three years of legal but it's kind of weeded itself out um, you know, I think the only shady is probably like parent company because Troy's getting like 1.2 million a year. Like that's unheard of. <laughs> it's literally unheard of. So, and that's kind of, you know, what's happening on the East coast. They're, they're, you know, going through that era and it's a lot easier because it's a newer market, um, than on the more mature markets. But yeah, you know, MSO is um, a very broad term, but it just so happens that these five companies just really are worse than others. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, uh, uh, here, though, I just like, I want to be precise with what, what we mean by like, there are some kinds of shady dealings or relationships that you've talked about. I'm, I'm talking about really specifically the results for the customers. Um, yeah. And thankfully, you know, that's why I think what's so sad, right? Because at the end of the day, California still has quality product. Colorado still has quality product. Like in on when you're in, you know, Massachusetts and you're in these states that, you know, should be getting quality product, but you're all so like new slash dealing with, you know, all the testing you're talking about, all the mold, figuring out manufacturing, at least like you can't even fall back on that. You know, Leslie, you said, you know, the cannabis that everyone knows and deserves, like, let's get to that. But you don't even have, you know, quality sometimes to fall back on like mm -hmm. corporate mids. That's not really a thing in California anymore, but it's definitely a thing. Well, but they're, they're having a lot of trouble with quality though in California still, right? The quality assurance. Yes. Mm -hmm. It depends. I honestly like the top 50 brands are still the top 50. We're like, I don't think that necessarily correlates to quality though. I, I, I don't think it doesn't correlate. I think there's, there's some relationship between it, but I think that it, once a brand's established and built its following, the quality doesn't, that's, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily due to quality. I mean, the hard thing is 
how do you define quality cannabis? Like quality yeah. is something individual and personal to each person. When I go in and I'm going to buy flour in a dispensary, I want to know what is the most recent thing that came off their shelf with the most recent harvest day, harvest date. I don't care about anything else. They go, well, what level, what shelf do you want? I don't hmm. care. I will pay the highest price and I will pay the lowest. But the dispensaries are worried when I ask that. I had some people throw me out of a dispensary for asking them to ask the manager what was precious. And I'm like, yeah, that won't happen here. <laughs> it's a normal comment, but this is in Colorado. I mean, it, yeah. the quality is hard, right? I don't, it, I don't know that we've gotten to quality because I think for each company, they need to talk to their customers and figure out what quality is. Like quality is as the customer defines, nothing more. Yeah. True. Yeah, no, we we definitely, you know, because that's freshness date package. That's what I've only been looking for for at least like the last two years. And thankfully, you know, um, obviously NorCal and SoCal are two very different markets um, with very different um, brands, actually, you know, like one state, two very different markets. Um, but at the end of the day, you still can get fresh. Um, yeah. it's, it's been like that, you know, like I can, I can trust the brands that I've been smoking for the last five years, but you know, who's to say, um, that's happening in other States, which right. is, you know, obviously the big issue when we don't have interstate commerce and we have to literally be our own States. Um, so I think that's always going to be, you know, the hardest, but again, you know, um, corporate mids, a thing that was definitely a term out here five years ago is more of a thing on the other markets. It's almost all you see in the adult use stores in Massachusetts. Like there's new brands. You'll see them in certain stores, but it really depends on what store, like geographically where you are in the state, like where I am on the North shore. I wish that like my, one of my friends does a micro grow really good cannabis, but half the time you can't find it. Like it's just not there in the stores. Stores won't carry it. Yeah. And I, you know, I talked to him and like a lot of times he's not getting paid. Like yep. the stores will take his product and then not pay him. So it's like, there's so so, like, he's going to go out of business. Like, you know, it's just not right to like these little guys who are actually creating the good products. They can't even get their stuff on the shelf. And and when they do, they're getting screwed by people who it's don't pay the them media so. stuff, right. Controlling, yeah. controlling the product, controlling the message, controlling what is out there. And yeah. So there's a lot of issues. I, I, I think, um, yeah, we're over an hour right now. We have a lot of comments coming in. Um, kind of like, I guess, final thoughts or, or anything like, because I said earlier, like anything you want to bring up today, I think we only got to Jeff. Um, so I'm sure you have some, uh, like, do you have other things that you want to bring up tonight? Let's, let's start with Leslie or even final thoughts tonight. Um, I want to say that focus is here to help and we may not have a solution today, but, if you reach out through our website to me individually on LinkedIn, through whatever, we will do what we can. Um, that's kind of what we do, right? We hear about something and then we move forward. So I am would like to just offer up focus as a resource for reporting. I'm not sure, you know, and, and hopefully as we work through things, um, one of the things that we've been working on for a while, but it's getting close, is a reporting line for an anonymous reporting line that will come in and it will segregate by state. And we will take all that information and write reports every month and present them to states because somebody's got to. Um, 
we're not quite there yet, like I said, but I'm I'm here to help. Focus is here to help. We have a great network and we have amazing, brave people like like the everyone on this show talking about this stuff. And I feel like that's the beginning of something good. And that's the only way we create change. Thank you so much, Leslie, for being here and everything that you do. Thank you for having me. And uh, let's uh, go to Lauren. Awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation and I think it's just continuing to have conversations and to be brave, um, uh, to say things that uh, give you butterflies in your stomach because usually when they do that, you're onto something and you are probably right. I wrote this article um, with some, obviously some proof and some also some speculation and uh, I've it, so much more has come to light since the time of writing the article that has made it even more um, important. And and so I guess what I would like to say is that there are other ways to get your message out than a very expensive public relations agency. Um, and you know, I one of the things that. I'm really committed to is to keeping as much of the money of cannabis in cannabis. So supporting people who actually use the cannabis plant and make content about the cannabis plant and educate about the cannabis plant to be the ones carrying our message forward. And so um, support those people who are telling those stories already, like Mike and others um, who have the platforms, whether they be on TikTok or Instagram or LinkedIn or anchor or spotify or wherever they are support the smaller creators because those are going to be the ones that are going to you know when it's instagram they're going to be setting the trends and when it's on you know from a from a freelancer media perspective it's going to be they're going to be breaking the hot stories because that's what you know what what the people who really care about the industry do now you've you've set up something too with this high curious right what, what is that? You haven't even promoted yourself tonight, which I, I know because, awesome. you know, and it's really funny. It. I haven't promoted myself at all. And, and it's, I guess it's partially because I don't really want, you know, I was called out by someone in the media about actually, you know, that my platform, that it must be pretty cute that you have a solution to this. But what I built is actually an anti-agency agency in a lot of ways. Um, it flipped the agency model upside down and um, I help cannabis brands find cannabis content creators, freelancers and influencers to help them tell their stories. So whether that be in organic content uh, made by creators or if you need a social media manager to get your brand off the ground or if you need to establish yourself you know, on LinkedIn or get your, your TikTok rolling we have people starting at, you know, $500 and up. We can really help you meet your goals based on your budget today. And we can all, we can help you grow. So I take my experience in the agency world and apply it to cannabis businesses. And we make money when the transaction happens between the content creator and the brand rather than um, at the beginning in agency fees. Awesome. And, um, we we also have a phone number too. If anyone wants to call in, that's listening nine seven eight five six zero three one five five. If you have any comments tonight, we'll definitely take calls. I opened up the phone lines. Um, I guess let's go to Liz now. 
Yeah, um, I think what's great is I've definitely built my LinkedIn platform over the last year, just, you know, really just talking because I'm at the point where I got nothing to lose. Like, you know, I, I can't be touched. Like Rosie threatens me in my career, but like she can't do shit. Like, I love sorry. That. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, that is a privilege that, you know, um, a lot of people don't have. But yeah, I mean, I don't care. Like I have so much work with social and content because everyone needs that, right? Like it's not going to stop. Um, so I just think that, you know, I'm going to just keep talking, keep hosting forums for people. Um, and also, you know, just kind of remind everyone that like, I, you know, and this is something I realized that we didn't really talk about, but you know, um, the role media plays in, in amplifying brands, like, you know, lists, right. You know, best brand, best this. And I'm constantly telling people like, please don't look at that. Like you're still you, like you're still like, this doesn't mean anything. Don't let it bog you down. Ben won exec of the year last year at Benzinga. Right. Come on. Yeah, come on. What a joke. <laughs> Rosie gave him that award. She judged yeah. it. Like, you know, like that's what I love to just like, you know, yeah. burst everyone's bubble because smoke and mirrors, baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when truly bought that award from uh, right. medical marijuana, whatever. Right? That, yeah. The group. It's so, like, give me a break. Or, or like Kim. All, yeah. Almost yeah. all of the awards in this industry are complete yep. BS. They are. <laughs> we, we, well, it's funny because you know be, what? Right? We, we just did an award show and no one bought an award. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're legit. But, you should have um, advertised the price. Come on, Mike. Yeah, no. Yeah. Sorry. But awards yeah. should be about meeting. I walk dogs things. for a living. I make plenty of money on that. That's what I love. My dog. Like I love when you said that you couldn't be bought. Like you, they can't mess with you. You know, because it's just like it's the way I feel now. I can't be messed with. Like you're not gonna ruin my life. There's nothing you can touch on it. So yeah, untouchable. You're not gonna call my employer. Yeah, you have, know, like you would want to call my 50 customers that I walk dogs on. They'll all tell you I'm great and to go shopping. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All my clients are like, keep going, Liz. Like, they don't understand this. You know, like, she called me a mean girl. But I'm like, am I a mean girl for exposing things? Like, what a cop out. Like, I'm sorry, but this is where we're at right now. And I'm just going to, you know, keep talking hoping that other people continue to talk and that's like all I really just want. Like I I really just want everyone to realize um just you know how much you matter and that you know media will always play a role in this. Yeah, Dustin, lists are bullshit. Yes. Yeah, Dustin just posted lister bullshit on LinkedIn. <laughs> you uh, you Brad Bogus is posting too. He says uh Lauren ain't out there calling out the PR companies to drive business. Yeah. She's calling out one. It's not a shtick. Yeah. Uh, he also said some other things too uh, about the grow off. Brad. I don't know. Brad's an ally. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he's for calling sure. out the grow off too. <laughs> yeah. That, that's definitely like the takeaway I always just want. You know, like you matter. Um, and it's just, it's, it's really, um, it's really just, you know, slow burn in this industry, unfortunately, it may seem, you know, California was medical since 1996, it, like the internet, everything makes it seem like things have to happen quicker than they are. But no, this industry is so fragile, like California is effed. <laughs> we're the oldest, but we're so screwed. So like, well, I just, you know. that urgency wasn't there. 
people would take the time to do things right, right? It's that urgency is what that rush, 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 because the entire industry is like ready, fire, aim instead yeah. of ready, aim, fire. And yeah, the, rush is, to, the rush to market. Yeah. It is crazy. And like simply slowing down a little bit and setting up some systems would alleviate so much of this. We wouldn't necessarily need remediation and radiation at every grow and blah, blah, you know, like it's just, yeah, the rush is a problem and the media makes it so for sure. Yeah. I mean, everyone thinks this industry is profitable. I mean, I hate, hate, hate overvaluation. You know, if you're saying like, you know, New York's going to be a $5 billion market in six years, what does that do? It increases licenses. It doesn't do anything else like overvaluation. California owes almost a billion in taxes. Like it's clear everyone overestimated the, the size of this industry and the amount of production capacity that was required for this country. So yeah. And what yeah. would be le- what would be the legal business? Like I think that's a big part of it. Is like we've there's still a lot left on the table. Like a lot mm-hmm. of especially Massachusetts, a lot of people still going to their guy or going up to Maine. Not just mass. That is across the country. The le- the illicit market or whatever legacy market you want to call it is growing at three times the legal market. So it's a problem. Yeah. That has to be solved. Yeah. I think yeah. it's like they need to open it up more. If they open it up more, they get more of the market. Like lower yep. the prices, you know. In- Make the reasonable regulations. Let Give some guidelines. Educate the yeah. public. Like we would do in any other industry. We're just not doing it in cannabis because it's federally illegal. Like yeah, well, and the regulators right? also overestimated how much oh, money yeah. isn't in this business, right? So they set the taxes too high. Yeah. Too. They thought it'd be like printing money. They doubled yeah. the taxes too. Like in mass, they raised the taxes like right away. The legislature over what we passed in the initiative mm-hmm. and they made it more, they excluded, they allowed towns to opt out without a vote. Like they did all kinds of stuff at the state house after what we passed as a law. So they like, they, you're right. They, they made it much worse. The regulations seem to fly in the face of supply and demand and supply and demand will always win. Like, so we have to get these regulations to work, right? I mean, that's, yeah, there's it's so many systemic problems. I This has been so great. I'm sorry. to. I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Mike. Thank yeah, you. Been, Let's call, yeah. we got Jeff up on the screen and, and oh, your look. like final thoughts or anything you want to bring up that wasn't. Yeah, I do. I have, I have, I have four final thoughts. All right. I'm going to spend my time. <laughs> yeah. right, right, I, I'm focusing very much on these four things. All right. Which is organizing raising money, measuring, and communicating to the public, all right? And so I am very optimistic that we're going to see big changes soon. Awesome. Me too. I'm, I'm hoping so. Yeah, you can, think- tell, you can tell from my smile how embarrassed I am to express optimism. <laughs> but you know what? I, I think it's a good thing. Like, we, we need to have some. We got to get up every morning. <laughs> yeah. Somehow. yeah. <laughs> Accountability. Accountability. Wow. Yeah. I want to thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, Liz, Jeff, uh, Leslie, Lauren. Did I miss anyone? No. Got you all yours. And uh, all the comments. Um, we didn't get any phone calls. I wish someone would call in, but I think people just want to listen in here. They don't want to get off the phone, you know, get off the feed, which happens a lot when we have good guests. So thank you all for being here tonight and uh, sharing all your information. Um, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us. Anytime. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for all the comments, everybody, and for showing yeah, up. for sure. 
Yeah, we really, really appreciate it. We'll be here. Yeah. <laughs> Not going anywhere. <laughs> and I want to uh, thank all our li like listeners, commenters, everyone who's been watching tonight. Um, I also wanted to promote something else too. Uh, I forgot to do this last show, a couple last shows, but Bud for Blood. Check out Kristen, uh, budforblood.com. Something positive in the cannabis space that's happening. Check it out. It's like something that everyone can do no matter where you are. Uh, budforblood.com. Check that out. I also wanted to, if you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe, follow us, like us on uh, iTunes and YouTube and all those other places. Please make sure you're following us so you get the uh, invite to the next show. We got a lot more upcoming. I want to thank everyone uh, for being here tonight again and for listening and commenting. Uh, my name is Mike Crawford. This is The Young Jerks. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much.